Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How do you stop parasites if you feel they've targeted you? What's the electromagnetic connection with paranormal events? Can, quote, inanimate objects, unquote, be haunted? Hello and welcome to the 768th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, and our 11th year on the air as well. I'm Ben, and those energetic questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and dad, Paul. And uh, today we bring you an open line show, which we haven't done in quite a while, it seems, and uh, on, on many paranormal topics uh, from listeners all over the place and uh, anything that you care to discuss, uh, we've... Uh, had quite a few write-ins and, and with some interesting questions and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, you're welcome to be a part of the show today. You can call us at 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Or you can use uh, Facebook Messenger as well. Right. I didn't think of that. And with us today is our very popular guest co-host, Shane Searway. Great to be back. And uh, very warm hello to all the listeners. Very good. All right. So let us begin. All right, now we have far more material than we'll ever get to, but... Um, Isn't that always here the is, way? Yeah, that's true. Uh, here's a very interesting email from uh, Steve. I don't know where Steve is from, but he uh, his interesting uh, handle is Skinwalker1976. So. Oh, all right, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, it looks like you, you type this up on a typewriter. Uh, no, no, that's how it's printed out if it's not uh, HTML. Oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, so... Uh, Steve writes to us, uh, I recently found out about the work you guys have been um, doing in the paranormal field on Ground Zero. Uh, I guess. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, forgive me if if this has already been asked, but I was wondering if you think um, that changes or spikes in the electromagnetic field have some connection or link to paranormal activity. Uh, I ask this because ghost hunters use EMF meters uh, in their investigations and electromagnetic interference is also mentioned in many UFO reports. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if this occurred in every paranormal case. What's your take on this? Uh, all right, why don't I start? All right, just briefly, uh, everything is essentially electromagnetic. Electromagnetism is the force that sort of is the glue that holds the material world so-called together and even the world of energy, uh, which really is the same world. Uh, the EMF meter or electromagnetic field meter is a very common gizmo used by the garden variety feral ghost hunters um, it's an engineer's tool essentially I know a lot of them who don't really understand what it is or what it does or what it means the only time uh, I have, have really any use for that personally is when it's digital and it goes into the negative range in any sort of um, situation that's, that's strange now the thing to remember with an EMF meter is that it doesn't is that it responds to electromagnetic fields, and electromagnetic fields surrounds an electric current. So that's why engineers use it and electricians use it, to see if your uh, circuit box is leaking or, or, or something of that kind. Uh, Shane can say more about this in a minute, because he's actually used it in that way to it, it, it goes beyond what I'm saying. So, but when I find, and, and up until the early 90s, when I, I had uh, finally got a digital one, the one with the old kind, with the old meter, with a pointer on it, I really didn't, um, it didn't go into the negative range. And uh, the digital one does. And when that happens, in my opinion, it seems like the, certainly the polarity on the electrical field is reversed. And we find, I find anyway, that, that you've got energy exchange going on between 
what we refer to as two parallel realities. Okay, so um, that's my take on it. I don't think it's all that useful, except for that. That's my opinion. Shane, what do you think? Uh, you, you found it useful in a lot of practical ways, though. Yes, and, that, and that's how I use it. Um, that's the only way it's really effective for me is to identify um, electromagnetic fields that are being put into an environment by something that has a, a negative effect on the individuals that l- reside in the home. So um, one case in particular, um, they, there was many groups that went into this house. There was one that stayed there for two weeks, and um, they split up because they, it had such a negative effect on them. They thought there was a demon in the house. They felt real dark, but nothing really ever happened. They just felt like there was something really dark that, that attached them. There was two marriages that split up. The group disbanded, and um, the lady that owned the house wouldn't go back in. I went in there with the electromagnetic field, and I, and I got really high readings in the kitchen and in the basement right below the kitchen. And so I, I noticed an access panel in that corner of the basement, and I opened the access panel and saw a, a, a copper wire coming from the grounding rod outside. And for those don't, that don't know, the grounding rod is put into the ground outside your home, so if your house is struck by lightning, it grounds out into the into the ground outside through the grounding rod um, so it doesn't you know, fry your, your plumbing and your electrical systems in your home causing fires and whatnot. So um, what was happening was there could have been a faulty transformer nearby that was backfeeding into the ground that was going into the grounding rod because the power had been turned off to the home. So it was the only way it could get into the house was through that grounding rod, and it was creating high levels of EMF, uh, very high levels that can cause sickness, and actually the guy died from a rare form of cancer, and the lady had the same tumor that he had, but hers wasn't cancerous. She moved out of the house, and while she was living there, she was on 12 medications. She moved out. She was able to come off all the medications. So that's how I use it, to identify um, things of that nature, because high EMF will actually cause you to see shadowy movements in your peripheral. It'll cause, and eventually you'll start seeing uh, shadowy hues in your direct vision, and it'll also cause stimulate paranoia and the feeling of being watched and, and things like that. So that's how I kind of rule out those things in, in areas where people feel like they have something in their home. That they it's feel extremely it. important. Yeah. Yes, but well, not necessarily um, related to ghosts. I even um, built a, a EMF pump to create electromagnetic in homes. To see, you know, I did this as an experiment to see if um, it would increase activity, and it had no effect on the activity mm. in the in the homes. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know, Ben, if you have a thought on this, because we have a caller. We do have a caller, and it is Steve LaPlume. Okay, uh, but uh, just uh, one or two, just one more comment on this. I think that's extremely important, uh, the the level Shane has brought that to, because people think they've they've got ghosts in the house, and these people will come in, the alleged experts, and use the EMF meter, and it goes to Pluto, and they say, aha, ghost. Well, it could be, aha, an electrical problem. Right. It could be affected by a radar array at an airport eight miles away. Aha, uh-huh, an electrical leak. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and things like appliances can really affect. Uh, oddly enough, things like hair dryers oh, and yeah. blenders really create high EMF fields. So th- this is the sort of thing you have to kind of bear in mind. Fish but pumps, too, and uh, for fish tanks, the pump, the water pumps. Tell me about Huge. It. You know. Uh, yeah, that, that happened in my house. We, we thought there were weird things happening. The beds were shaking and all kinds of weird stuff. Oh, you know, what? The, one of the worst things, believe it or not, alarm clocks. 
That's right. They're huge. They max out my... Which are right next to your head when you're sleeping. Exactly. So you I know? tell everyone, take it, move them Wake away. Wake up with headaches and all that. Yeah, yep. exactly. Very, very important. So you look at that before you even think of anything paranormal. So let's go to our caller, uh, Steve from New Hampshire. Uh, great to have you with us. Steve is a, not only a good friend, he's an occasional co-host of this show and is well known to our um, faithful and uh, hardcore listeners. Uh, so, Steve, what's cooking? Well, I had a question. Um I had a recurring dream, which I thought actually when I was dreaming that I died in my sleep, and I was going into the light, but I was met by an evil presence at the other end. So I often wondered, do you go into the light or do you not? Because I've heard arguments on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, guys, we, we talked about this off the air. Um, Shane, what, what say you? Well, I've had three near-death experiences, um, and I never once saw any light at all. Uh, but I think my my experience was more or less a teaching experience. I was meant to go there. It is what they told me was to be tuned and to be taught. And so I think mine was a little bit different. But um, there are actually a, uh, there's a very old belief by some some practitioners um, uh, that that the light is actually nothing but an adul- like a delusion or deception to get you to um, basically be not re- they use the word reincarnated but basically to be brought back down in another form or at another time you know to until you go through this process so many times that you actually learn um, you you awaken until and so when you have that experience again you now remember because now you're awake and or, or awakened and um, and you you know not to go into the light. So, but I can't say I subscribe to any anything because we really don't know. So I, I don't lock down. But I, ha- I if I had to go with my instinct, I would not go into the light. Fair enough, Ben. Well, uh, lights are great, but I'm not a moth. <laughs> I'm not a moth, so therefore <laughs> I am not attracted to them. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting that across all cultures. Um, there's always this sort of ubiquitous death experience, right? Um, in in Western culture, we're really, really in, into the big, the big, this big idea that oh, heaven is is this place way up in the sky, and you see this big light, this big flash. But if you listen to like other other cultures and their near death experiences, they're very, very different. And um, I think it's fascinating that you know we we all sort of hear this idea of the light. We must go to the light. And uh, it makes me wonder where it came from, yeah, and why why we why we think that maybe it's some maybe you know it's like a a blinding flash, like a sense memory of birth or something, yeah, or you know like like a starting of a new life, ending of one and going into another. But I mean, I don't know. Um, I think I think like everything else that we we sort of you know investigate and think about. You know, I think I think perception really kind of. Is is the uh, the guiding hand, so to speak, of of any sort of experience that we have, right? Well, one one of the problems with the light, at least from my point of view, is that we don't know what it is, what it does. And and Steve, you're right because there have been a lot of reports, not not a majority of reports, but a lot of reports where people have had very negative experiences at the end of this near death thing. Uh, the uh, I have a rather boring uh, paranormal life, except for investigations, because I um, have never. The only thing I, I've had that I would interpret as close to a near death experience was when I was um, I had pneumonia and I was fibrillating and my heart was fibrillating didn't know this is like 25 years ago and I ended up in the hospital Ben was a baby I ended yeah up in- I think I did I think I got you in the hospital <laughs> or I might have given you pneumonia 
Well, whoever, wherever it came from, uh, you didn't give me AFib. I mean, you weren't that upsetting. That's true. So uh, it was just a matter of um, of uh, being in the hospital, as I say, for for, for a bunch of uh, bunch of days there. And when uh, before I went to the hospital, I, I had this this utterly vivid vision of a uh, of some stonework uh, in the side of a mountain. <laughs> this multicolored lizard, which was very beautiful, it wasn't scary at all. It was just magnificent, kind of looking out. And um, I, now, what? Where the hate is this stuff coming? But I mean, uh, maybe a parallel world experience. I don't, or maybe just my imagination. But it was it was one of the most vivid experiences I've ever had. So I don't know if that was near death or not. But, but there are different ones, and some of them are negative, as as Steve says. My problem with the light is that you don't know what's on the other side of it. To me, the light is the plasma. A charged uh, boundary of of different worlds, uh, at least in our experience. And we even have photographs of this. We believe. So you send somebody to the light. All the, these these uh, psychics and mediums are so proud of themselves when they do that. But you don't know what's on the other side. It could be a a hell world because all possibilities, if these theories are correct, do exist, and they're all separated, you know, by these these light um, boundaries or membranes, as physicists call it. So. Um, Probably the agreement here, Steve, is is more or less that uh, just don't really be don't be a moth. What's what? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, interestingly enough, you were talking about um, near death experience. I've never had. I mean, I've been shot a few times, so nothing critical. So, um, yeah. But when my uncle was dying, he was dying at home, and he kept saying, "I don't want to go with the guy." And my parents were like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "The man sitting on the edge of my bed." So I often thought that, that was an angel that was somehow sent a guide. So I think I'd probably follow that one with the light. Yeah. Well, there it is. Uh, just caution in all things, particularly when it comes to the paranormal. Steve, thanks for the call. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Okay, very good. Uh, okay, here's another one. This is from Katie. It's a question about a parasite. And uh, we don't know where Katie's from. Katie from Nowhere writes to us. Uh, hi, Paul. I heard you on, on the Clive Lewis show. Uh, do you know what I should do if I think I have some kind of entity or thing in my ear? I thought I had a bug or something, uh, so, so I went to the doctor, uh, to see if she could clean out my ear, and she gave me drops, but my ear is physically normal, but I still feel like there's something moving inside my ear from time to time. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, many thanks, Katie. Alright. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes people hear these things and they say, well, it's, you know, somebody's imagining this thing. But we don't know that. However, I think the, the, the basic rule uh, in all this is you exhaust every single medical, psychological possibility of a cause for this sort of thing. Uh, allergies can cause that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of things, you know, before you even begin to think about the paranormal. So, uh, Shane? Yeah, I agree. And, but, you know, also there's... There's a common condition, it's not real common, but there's a condition um, where we have tiny little bones behind our eardrums and they, they become loose and you can feel movement and you can hear sounds. vibrate with certain uh, Yeah, sound, it yeah. sounds like something's moving around in your ear and, you, and it feels like something's moving around in yeah. your ear. But um, I don't know if there's a treatment for it, but it is um, more likely that than uh, yeah. an entity. Uh, ben, uh, from your, your vast knowledge of sound, uh, do you have any information on what uh, the vibrations that could be causing something like this in the uh, inner ear? I mean, it could be like um, like a form of tinnitus or something. Yeah. Like, that's that's super common. I mean, I get tinnitus. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, if you if you ever go to like, um, like, a, like a concert or something, um, 
unless it's classical music, but I mean, even then, on the dynamic spectrum, classical music can get pretty loud. Because um, you can, you can essentially, if you're, I, th- I think the OSHA regulation is you can't have, you can't be in a venue that has like a volume over like 114 decibels or something. I'm pretty sure that's like the OSHA regulation. So if you're like in a, in a, like a building that's like over that, like if you ever go to a concert and you leave and your ears are ringing, like that's more than likely probably what you're supposed to be hearing for that's like safe for you. Um, I would I would just you know recommend instead of just going to like a regular doctor, go to like you know an ears ear and yes. nose and like throat specialist because they have like a very specific like oddly specific insight to things that like regular like PEs just don't have. Yes. Okay. Well, let's move on to a very, very interesting and rather poignant communication from Grant in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And Grant uh, has, we have uh, an email and then a follow-up. And uh, we ask everyone to reserve judgment until we get to the end. Sure. All right. So let's go with the the email first. Email, if you will. Um, So uh, he writes to, or Grant writes to us. Uh, I have uh, been encountering uh, close-up UFOs, missing time, um, four of us uh, for seven hours, all of us remember even now 40 years later, black-eyed teenagers, uh, doppelgangers, hybrids, or demons, or whatever, um, I, uh, I don't know the right street, uh, who to return to, and or, or who returned me and abducted me, uh, too crazy uh, precognition my whole life. Um, this all started about four or five years ago, or four foot when I was about four or five years old, and now I'm just about 64. Uh, my whole life, I wish sometimes I was crazy, but far too often I experience these paranormal things uh, with witnesses in broad daylight, and had to face it all. Um, uh, unlikely that all of us were, and we all saw it, and we were unlikely that we're all of us insane uh, with the same experiences and we are all successful stable people how do i stop this uh and more importantly stop the depression i i have always lived with uh which i think is caused by this outside force um would love to talk to you grant okay uh well let's start with that all right uh the word that that jumps out at me is depression and you don't want depression okay um Shane, what's your experience in dealing with people? Now, now if the, assuming that Grant is having legitimate experiences here, and certainly you got other other people, he says are experiencing this with him. Uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And what is your experience with depression as it's related to paranormal experiences? I mean, some people handle this stuff better than others do. Yeah. So, what what do you think? It's almost hand in hand. Um, most of the people that are dealing with um, you know, parasitic type hauntings or, or attachments or whatever are in some kind of very vulnerable uh, emotional state, and that's what triggers and attracts the the attachment to begin with because yeah. they, they need you to be at that lower frequency, you know, and because it connects them and, it, it, and you know, so and then they introduce fear, they keep you down. Um, but I'm a little confused. Is he is he more relating his experience to? Alien, or or does is he just not sure? He's experiencing all sorts of things. Well, it sounds the, like se- everything. the second email, yeah. So, uh, any thoughts before we get the second email, Ben? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with Shane on this one. You know, I kind of did like a little terribly drawn flowchart on um, this piece of paper down here, and I think um, really how 
how the the experience is viewed by him, which does it makes sense that he's like, oh well, maybe because this is happening, this is why I'm depressed. When it's actually the opposite. Yeah. That it's because I'm depressed, these things are happening. Hmm. That as opposed to like, oh well, you know, if this all just stops, if like someone could just make it all stop, I'll be okay. When it's like, you know, I, I think the feeling of being powerless is is reinforced by all 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 this phenomena happening at once. And <clears throat> really, in fact, you're not. And it's 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 overcoming that illusion of powerlessness when you get when you realize oh wow I'm really in in control of all this. Sometimes there are chemical imbalances in, in place, but I mean there's yeah. se- there's steps you can, you can take to to sort of re re achieve that. You know sometimes things things happen in life that are just completely out of our control, and um, you know sometimes we just don't know how to deal with it, but. You know, uh, especially when, if it elicits, or yeah, it insinuates an emotional response. There we go. Um, so I think I think that that really it's it's kind of like getting a handle of where this is all coming from first, and then shifting into the next step. Would you suggest a support group for Grant? Yeah, I would. You know, there are a lot of them here in New England. Because he's on the other other side of the continent, but. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure that there are some out there too. Sure, right? oh, yeah, Even yeah. online, which is an amazing resource. I think the fact that you know part part of the the thing with depression is you know you 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 feel isolated, and if you can't share your experiences with other humans, because whether we like it or not, we're social creatures, and um, you know we we you know we live in communities. That's why we all live. We don't live like in in the middle of nowhere. So I think I think finding that that community to be able to just talk to people who understand like oh yeah this stuff happens to me too you're not alone i think that's that's a very very powerful thing yeah and, and i would say just to reemphasize what we said to katie that you exhaust all medical and psychological uh possibilities uh, for a cause of this stuff before you even assume there's any paranormal however i mean that they, they can be intertwined we talked about that with uh jerry marzinski last week so that's what yeah, I tell I tell everybody you know that I, I deal with, um, you know you in situations like this um, where we attract them and they they stay latched on to us because of these lowered emotional frequencies. Um, you have to change your thinking, you know, become more positive, change your thinking, you change your frequency, you break the connection with these things because that's what yeah. they're there for. So, and the easiest way to do that is to to physically do positive things, not just think positive, but to actually occupy yourself physically by doing something. So you're forced to do nothing but the positive, and yeah. you can't revert back to those negative emotions. And before you know it, you break a cycle, and and it goes away. I just, I don't mean to be jocular here, but I just, it just crossed my mind that, you know, Ben's mom loves, and I do too, to watch the Hallmark Channel movies. I think just about all of which are filmed in the vicinity of Vancouver, British Columbia, where Grant lives. So, I mean, I don't know if you watch the Hallmark Channel, but, uh, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, British Columbia, and, and, uh, you get the Pacific Ocean, the mountains, and it's, it's just gorgeous. So, you know, taking some of the scenery, maybe relax a yeah. little bit, and maybe, maybe that can be a, I don't know. Uh, that can probably be a start. So let's get to uh, Grant's second uh, email there, Ben. Sure. Uh, so Grant continues, um, I spent my childhood uh, terrified of the gray little midgets uh, coming for me, uh, starting when I was uh, four or five. This was back in 1958. Uh, my brother, who uh, shared a room with me and uh, finally admitted 55 years later, uh, he saw bizarre blue lights and even a huge UFO just outside our window. Uh, but he was terrified of... Uh, talking to me about it 
because he knew then and throughout the decades uh, that have gone by that it was demonic. I was usually gone when he woke up. Uh, my my other brother uh, shared daylight encounters uh, with the same type of extreme close-up UFOs twice um, with shock and fear. And uh, in one of the encounters uh, with a friend of, of his and another with his wife, um, and uh, my wife as well, we lost seven or eight hours um, in missing time. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they are still scared uh, 40 years later. Uh, I have had so many of these uh, that ju- that I just survived dealing with a life of PTSD and shock as it is uh, surreal to not uh, be lucky enough to have an excuse to be insane and get medication. Uh, but I've had psychiatrists refuse medication. As one told me, you are more sane than most of my clients over the past 30 years. Uh, but sorry, I believe you. Uh, never... Uh, he's like, I never went back to uh, to him after that, as I figured he had to be insane. In the last uh, 15 years, uh, now it's uh, face-to-face, even on the streets, uh, with uh, strange beings, a black-eyed teen, uh, a doppelganger, um, the precognition shocks uh, that, sometime, that sometimes hurt, and uh, when I, I know things uh, that would help victims uh, before they become a victim... Um, Common, I commonly, after the uh, more frequent uh, earlier years, now two, two to three years go by without nothing shocking happening. Um, how do I come to grips with it and make it stop? I am near retirement and I want to enjoy it uh, without this uh, surreal part of my existence. Um, you know this all started uh, at four after a religious encounter and uh, before any anyone wonders about anything, I've been diagnosed with um, emphatizasia? What is that? He, he explains it. Oh, a condition where people like like me have uh, no mind's eye. Uh, we cannot close our eyes, uh, imagine a person's face, an object, nothing, just black. Um, I wish I I have tried uh, years uh, meditating, trying uh, just maybe to see my dead mother's face or um, or faces of my my wife or son and get nothing. Uh, I envy all of you. I would never I would never go to a movie again. Um, like I could cancel cable. With all of that, I enjoy, and I I wonder if most of these encounters with the paranormal are just uh, imaginations. Okay. Uh, let's take our bottom-of-the-hour break, and then we'll get into some depth with Grant's uh, second email. <clears throat> okay, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and, and today with our special guest co-host Shane Searway, Open Line Show on WOON 1240 uh, AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful but rainy Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dave Richards, and on the first Milk Fund auction Monday morning at 8, we'll read the many Milk Fund donations which have been received since we closed out last year's appeal, including dozens which have come in in memory of N. David Boulay. And we'll put up for bid many holiday and winter decorations, including a five-foot-tall Santa Claus, plus gift certificates and lots of fun. Join Joe Callahan, Lisa Carcifero, Romeo Berthium, and me, Dave Richards, for the first 2018 Milk Fund auction on Coffee at eight. We're here for you on the talk of the valley. Oh, and radio. 
Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Today with special guest host Shane Searway, and we're dealing with open lines today. We have, uh, we're overwhelmed with really, really interesting questions from guests. Uh, we do encourage you to call in, however, and we'll try to work you in. It is 401-766-1240 from anywhere. And uh, let's get back to the uh, very, uh, I find, very poignant uh, communications from uh Grant in British Columbia, and who has written about his various experiences, and we're going to let Shane uh, begin our thoughts on that. Right, so, I, I share the same experience uh, um, since I don't normally talk about this in, in public, but uh, with those visitations by these little beings in my in my room, um, definitely since the age of seven. But I do have memory at the age of around the age of three that it ha- happened a few times. But very strong at seven and continues on and off in periods throughout my life up until present, you know. But um, they're actually now uh, affecting my son. So I was able to do something that, that is slowing it down. It's They haven't come back. Um, he hasn't complained since. But but anyways, um, with his experience and how it's, it's bothering him so much, um, there's something that I, I mean, I help people in a lot of different ways, whether it's it, it, with these experiences, sexual assault victims, abuse, you know, all the, all kinds of different things that pop, pop up in our investigations that there's a, there's one word that's very, very important, acceptance. And it, you don't have to forgive, uh, but you have to accept that certain things happen so you're able to move beyond it and be, and pass it. Don't let it, uh, drive you nuts. And it sounds like you, because of his experiences that he's become a little bit obsessed about it. And you, you can't do that. You, if, if you focus on it, it's going to happen more. So you kind of have to accept that it happens and, um, don't let it dri- drive you bonkers. You got to shut it off from your head move on to other things like we said more positive things you you can't allow this to control your internal dialogue because you're you're kind of feeding the problem now your own mental problem um you know with with um this depression that you're experiencing so acceptance is very very key and very important like it doesn't i don't let it bother me um until recently where where it said it's it's now affecting my son he's starting to see them in his room and so um I, I have been able to put a stop to that, and and hopefully it, it stays that way, and they leave him alone. But, um, but y- you know, it's 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 something that you just have to accept that it's happened, and not obsess about it. And it, and it sounds like a lot of what he when you get to that point where you're always thinking about, it, always thinking about, it, you're always looking for it. You start seeing things and 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 relating it to your situation, where really it might not be related to your situation. You know, if something weird happens, oh, it's because of them, you know, or you see somebody that looks weird, oh, there, there you go, there's another one, you know. you got to learn to shut it off, and, and you really do, and then move beyond it. It sounds like you're calling for balance. Yeah. Essentially. And sometimes, I, I've, I've at times advised people to, well, you, you remember um, the fellow down here, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, yes. uh, you and I dealt with 20 years ago, and get out of the house do something, you know, go to the soup kitchen work. In his case, he, he helped to save a historic church. He got on the committee. And uh, bringing positive energy into your life will repel anything negative. Now, now there are a couple of questions, a couple of words that, that uh, Grant mentions that kind of caught my ear. Uh, demonic. All right. What does that really mean? Uh, I think very often we will have a visceral survival response to negative energy. 
uh, as our ancestors did, and we assume it's demonic in the theological sense of the word, you know, servants of Satan trying to get you. And maybe that's true, but I, I think that that is not what these parasites really are. They fill the bill. That's how we interpret them, uh, if it is parasites. Uh, and all the, and whatever negative things may be going on, we interpret it as, you know, uh, this, the demon gave me this disease or made me do this or anything. Well, you know, I, I think that that's far too simple and, and I think it's naive. Uh, I think we, we've got, um, we have to deal with the things from our own energy point of view. We have to um, not let these things get the best of us. And I think that, that if we bring in folk beliefs, and I'm, not, I'm, and I'm not denigrating the beliefs of any particular words. I'm just saying there, there are other things that could explain it. Um, you know, we let it have power over us sometimes. So I think Shane uh, in calling for balance is extremely uh, wise in saying that. Shane, uh, I mean, Ben, <laughs> what... Uh, Oh, I was looking up um, that um, that 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 uh, disease that he he mentioned. Yeah, it's exceptionally um, rare, but it is, but it does exist. Yeah, aphantasia. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking. I was just like looking it up, and I was like, oh, I've never I've never heard of that before. Yeah. And uh, I guess there's like not a lot of research on it, but there there is some, uh, or there are some studies that are that are planned. I I just think that's really interesting that um that there are actual like scientific. I I, cause I was like that just doesn't sound like a real thing. But no, apparently it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just like, huh, that's interesting. That yeah. that there is actually probably a part of of the brain that might that might actually have to do with with imagining things or seeing images. So our advice to, I guess, so we agree. Our advice to Grant, uh, and we are we have the impediment of not knowing him or being near him. Uh, you're, he's about as far away from us as you can get and still be in North America. Um, is just to. I would say listen to what Shane says. Try and maintain balance. Uh, write again to us uh, if you have other further thoughts or questions. And uh, just to um, try and bring in the positive energy. Don't let this dominate you. And um, perhaps uh, try and find a, a group of, 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 of fellow experiencers who may be uh, able to provide some support. You, you really can't handle these things alone. Well, it's so. like going through something traumatic, right? You know, you, you if you don't move on from it, it just consumes you. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, and again, you know, I would get involved, get out, get in the, get into the community, and, and do some positive things, and and uh, that that kind of thing will help as well. All right, so I hope that helps you, Grant. Uh, okay, here's uh, uh, one from. Let's get back into our, our uh, Facebook uh, communications here. This is from Joe. We don't know where Joe is is from. Alrighty, Joe from question mark writes to us. So, what are your thoughts on Mothman? I know it's one of Ben's favorite topics. So Ben, this, it is one of my favorite topics. Think about Mothman all the time. Oh yeah, he's always on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> the the lamp of my mind. Um, yeah. So I I think Mothman's an interesting creature because it's depicted in such a odd way and it's so fascinating because we know so little about it but there's so much like witness evidence of it there's even that one photo supposedly taken of it it's one of those few creatures that there's there's not some amazing piece of footage or like you know some sort of weird piece of evidence that you that you find you know like the like the uh, Patterson Gimlin film right mm. like um for the uh, for Bigfoot yeah yeah exactly or even like you know um I'm trying to think, like, or like Loch Ness Monster, where there's like all sorts of photo evidence, or like Champ, or, or things like that. But there's one of these very popular, you know, monsters, quote unquote, that 
doesn't have that that one piece that you can point to and say, yeah, that's probably what it looks like. Yeah. You know, it just has so much witness, like, testimony and so much strange stuff that kind of happened around it that it somehow becomes the focal point, but it also is kind of like the personification of an entire, like, county's experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, just uh, before we go to Shane, just some background. Uh, for those who don't know, Mo- Mothman was the name that the media gave in the mid-1960s to a creature that seemed to have huge bat wings and a human form uh, and, and glowing red eyes that was prominent in the Ohio Valley of the United States, uh, 1966, 1967 particularly. Uh, many, 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 you know, over 100 witnesses, some of whom were police officers and professional people, you know, and not your necessarily your bumpkins. Uh, all kinds of uh, frightening incidents uh, inside people's houses and outside people's houses. And the whole thing was surrounded by a lot of things that didn't seem related to Mothman, a lot of UFO activity, uh, poltergeist activity, people feeling heightened psychic abilities, things like this. Uh, all kinds of things were going on in that vicinity that we would consider a flap area, as, as Ben, Shane, and I call it. So uh, that's essentially what the background is. Uh, Shane, what's your thought on uh, Mothman then? Well, I can share a story. Um, um, I mean, it definitely it seems with all the stories that we hear and all the sightings, there has to be something to it. We we know for sure. But um, back when I was like 18 or 19, I worked in an oil um, company in, in an office, and I would keep the office open on the weekends, and I was the only one that worked, and I, and I was in the, the front office. And this old lady came walking down. I mean, it was on a highway, so she had to walk quite a ways to get there. And she was really old and frail. And she she walked in. And I got her a seat and um, a glass of water and everything because it was hot outside. And and we, we just started talking. And, and um, I don't know how we got on the subject. She just turned and started telling me about this thing. She used to, years and years and years ago, like a long time ago, she used to be part of a community that would move around. They were homeless. And they would all stay together. And they, they would move around. Ohio, West Virginia, and she said they always chose to sleep in wide open fields where they could see far away so they knew um, what was coming at them, she said, because there was a flying devil fox that would come for them. It it was very large like a man or bigger and had really wide wings um, and they, they would see it flying around them and so they would choose these large fields so they could see it coming from a lo- you know far distance and but what she was describing this is before the mothman movie came out this is far before i even knew what mothman was mm. but how she described it actually sounds like most descriptions of yeah. mothman they just called it the flying devil fox well you bring up a very important point that these these labels with these names are put on things mm. uh are our names Okay. Yeah. We don't know really what these things. Are. We we don't know if the multiple sightings were of the same creature or the same kind of creature. Now, now that did not end in the Ohio Valley in the 1960s. It, it continued. It's no. It's a phenomenon known all over the world. Uh, even um, more lately, uh, there's a lot of ruckus in Chicago uh, because and you know a huge major urban area where uh, the uh, uh, Batman. Or we, actually, they wanted to call it Batman in the originally because, but there would be that was when the Batman TV series was starting. They didn't want to get into a legal issue so mothman ended up and people have seen people have seen two at once flying over i'm thinking one particular one one marina on lake michigan and people uh, saw this these two huge bat-winged human-like creatures flying hmm. above the water at, near this marina and uh there are all kinds of reports lately so 
is this all Mothman or Mothmen? Uh, are there some kind of, again, the strange creatures that, that are flying around people think are, that put that label on it? Uh, these are all questions that I think um, we need to consider. Mm. Mm. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, there's all sorts of other, other places that it's, it's been seen too, supposedly. One of the places I'd really like to learn more about is supposedly uh, Mothman was at, you know, the Chernobyl disaster mm. um, back in, was it 89? Uh, it was 80, uh, 86. I was in the Providence Journal newsroom with, when that happened, and I was the wire. I'm the first one in Rhode Island who knew that that happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> there we go. But anyway, I believe I'm, it was 1986 or 1987. I think it was 86 or 87. Yeah, I was trying to... I knew it was towards the end, the end of the no 80s. Speculate. But I mean, you know, most of the witnesses to that are you know, dead, so... <laughs> and it, I, I'm pretty sure no one survived Chernobyl that lived there initially. So uh, so there were just, like, some, you know, re- reports of, like, you know, soldiers seeing this big black bird-like thing flying through the smoke of um, one, of, one of the towers that the fire erupted in. So it was, it was just like, oh, well, that's weird. But, I mean, you know, there's really there's really no other cooperative ev- evidence. Who, know, who knows? It could just be a complete lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of these things ended up... Um, that happened uh, April 26, 1986, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh there was uh, the nuclear meltdown, et cetera, et cetera, uh, contaminated the area. You still can't live there. One ah, of the but things, you can visit it now. Well, you can, yes. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's a tourist spot if you have the, the, the gum. You can stay in the outer zones. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that the Mothman is supposedly associated with is disasters. Now, at the end of, supposedly the end of the major Mothman outbreak in the Ohio Valley, the uh, Silver Bridge, which we actually crossed the replacement of mm. <laughs> a few years ago, w- uh, collapsed. And uh, there were like uh, almost forty people were killed in this, and and that was, and supposedly Mothman was never seen in Point Pleasant again. Uh, that's not true. Supposedly there are still sightings, mm. and there's still sightings a lot of other places. Uh, whether he's a precursor of disaster, I mean, I don't know if that's 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 a, a popular interpretation, but I don't think so. No. Anyway, those are some of our thoughts on Mothman. If that's um, of any uh, interest, and uh, there it is. So, to but it's still being seen. So well, who, who's the next one there? So we have uh, Nathaniel from Dayton, Ohio, uh, writing to us. And he said, I'm uh, reading Behind the Paranormal and I am awestruck. Uh, I'm, on, I'm in the first chapter. Uh, do you believe that these ancient farmers are farming us? All right. Uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong is our 2016 book. It's always nice to get a compliment like that has the word awe in it. Uh, appreciate that. And Nathaniel, and uh, but what he's referring to, I think, are the the ancient farmers are the parasites we talk about all the time. We believe that, uh, uh, from what we see anyway, that these parasites, some of them anyway, will will farm, for lack of a better term, individuals, families, and even certain communities, and have done so perhaps throughout history. Uh, there are some very chilling interpretations of what our species, where our species may have come from, and what what our purpose originally might have been. Uh, as cattle or food for these. We're going to be talking about this uh, uh, very soon with um, uh, one of our guests uh, come on a show coming up pretty soon, uh, Nick Redfern, uh, who's written a book about this and who also wrote the um, uh, foreword for my next book coming out next year, which deals with this subject. But uh, we also have many, many friends in the multiverse as well, uh, and this is this is the thing. So... Um, so the answer, I would say, is yes. The, the ancient farmers, if you're referring to parasites, that that's how they eat. That's what they do. And uh, 
we have interpreted them in our narrow paradigm as demons, servants of Satan, vampires, what have you, in our folklore, and uh, they do fill the bill. So, Shane, what's, what's your, what are your thoughts on uh, the ancient farmers, if you want to call them? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, not in all cases, but but they definitely do seem to, to follow bloodlines or, or, you know, families and um, different civilizations or, or whatever. Um, but you know what? But so don't aliens that seem to do the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. So that's true. I never noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- this is this is a crucial question that has I think in, been in the background of several of the of the communications we've read today. Are aliens actually demons? Okay. Uh, or I w- I would question: Are demons actually aliens? I think it's more that. Yeah, I do too. Because yeah. this has come up. Because people think, um, you know, because of my my uh, theological background in the seminaries for so many years, it will get up. And there actually is there are several lectures we give that people are very interested in. One is what does God have to do with the paranormal? You know, and uh, there aren't a lot of people with theological educations in this field. And so we talk about there are some, and and we get into that. People are interested, but there's also the question of uh, uh, okay, Paul, you're going to get up in your seminary bracket and you're going to say that aliens are actually demons. Well, no. I think they, the demons may actually be aliens. Because that's what I've run into from time to time, uh, all the way back to the 1970s. These things that, that we assumed were aliens, we needed to perform exorcisms and all this stuff, uh, they seem to me to be um, what our guest last week called energy parasites, or things that were just feeding on everything we were doing, too, including exorcisms by a priest. I think they were feeding on that as well. We walk right into their mouth, so to speak, and I think that this is what's happening. So, again, the ancient farmers, whatever you want to call them, uh, I think it can certainly can masquerade as anything, particularly dead loved ones. And I'm not saying that all ex- examples of ghost phenomena are de- demons or, or parasites. No. But they, they are great mimics in nature. They're part of nature. Nature is full of mimics. So I think that uh, you may very well be dealing with um, uh, demons, quote-unquote, that are actually aliens. Because that, that's the impression they give me. They're sort of a totally other, um, sterile, um, just hungry, hostile, but totally non-human. Alien. And the, the majority of the possession cases that you worked on saw a UFO prior to their sickness, yeah. right? Yes. Well, there were five out of seven at Augsburg State, at uh, St. Lawrence State Hospital in New York in the 1970s, where I was working with a priest, five out of seven had UFO experiences mm-hmm. and little gray men in their bedrooms. Yep. Right? And the priest said, well, there are inmates at a state hospital, so they're officially crazy anyway. Don't pay any attention to that. That was a mistake. Yeah. That, I think that was irrelevant. I see a lot on Facebook, you know, a lot of people posting saying, you know, there's a there's a new belief that's really growing that that um, you know, aliens are actually demons, and they they want they do a poll like what what do you think and all this other stuff, and I'm like, from my experience, it's the complete opposite, you know, yeah, it's yeah. what you are calling demons, I believe are actually aliens. Yeah, yeah. So no, it, it's true. Uh, of course, th- that's a common belief among uh, many religious believers, particularly strict ones. And maybe they're right, you know, but I, mean, I, I just haven't found that. And I worked, I was in the, the belly of the beast, literally, working with these things. And they just didn't, it just didn't seem like they were theologically in line with what we were thinking. They wanted us to think they were, and they would respond sometimes. 
But the, most of these exorcisms, uh, I, after I graduated, I went to another seminary, and the priest had to go back and do more. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I just I lost touch with some. And uh, the worst one I ever dealt with, she was dead within three years of a drug overdose. Oh wow! So uh, you know the the barber cases, uh, which I write which I write about in chapter one of the next book. So anyway, Ben, what are your thoughts on this? I know. I'm glad to say uh, you've never had to deal with exorcism. No, um, it's probably a good thing. Um, oh, jeez, what was I going to say? Uh, I remember now. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I'm I'm always harping on anytime we get into any of of the pan paranormal stuff is our terms for things. Yes, the way that we define stuff is how we view it, and I think the term alien is is just grossly misunderstood hmm. i think i think you know when people say the word alien you think of two things you think of either you know illegal aliens coming up from you know south america or two you think of little green men running around <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and i i think or or the, the various varieties of um i think that you know when you say the word alien you know those two things immediately come to mind and I, I think, you know, we should stick with the original definition, which is literally just the other. Something that is entirely unlike us. Right. You know, that's how, you know, the ancient Greeks viewed anybody who was who was from, you know, not Greece. <laughs> right, right. They would just refer to them as aliens. Yeah. You know, because they were, they're not like us, even though they probably looked exactly the same. But because, you know, they were from a different city-state or from Macedon or something, they're like, oh, well, you're aliens. Anyway, I digress. So I think the prob- the main issue is... How do we define these things? And you know, in in pretty much all all of these all of the questions we've had too is that that idea of understanding. And I think finding that foundation, because the main way we communicate is is through words. Sadly, well, words and body language, but you know, trying to understand each other. Especially, you know, if you say alien, and you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, that guy's an alien. So if you go to like like a one of the more far out conferences, pardon the pun, um, you know, someone will be like, oh yeah, that guy's definitely from like you know Ursa Minor or something. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like no, I meant that he's from like a different state. <laughs> like, you know, I think I think the problem is we just we don't understand our terms and people put their own spin on things. So I mean, we do the same thing. Yeah. You know, we we take terms that as we understand them and we spit them back. And people will take the terms that we spit back and then spin it around again. So it's like, oh, so what you're saying is aliens are demons. Even if you just say, you know, demons might be aliens. You know, people will take what they what they hear and then yeah, whip it right back around. It is incredibly narrow and it's not and it's very vague. Very good point. It's, it's yeah. a it's a weird paradoxical situation. And uh, other worlds we assume aliens are from other worlds, but there, there seem to be billions, maybe an infinite number of other worlds. See, if you, if you, even that statement right there. Okay. If you say other worlds, people think planets. Yeah, right, exactly. Stars. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, the multiverse. Yeah, there's a lot of other Parallel universes versions there. of our like, own world, I mean, that are right next to us all the time. It's not other But even planets. then, people will take that yeah. and somehow switch it around to be not what we mean. <laughs> so we have our intellectual uh, work cut out for us here. Well, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of dams we have to break down, but... Yes, yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, we're 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 laying the groundwork, but it's there's there's too much there there's a lot of of paradoxes and misunderstandings that you know it's it's just like the ancient world when philosophers were trying to talk to each other, like yeah, they couldn't because you know they either didn't speak the same language or just used the same terms differently. Mm-hmm. 
and with the the you know the, what people call demons within and you know you find that word a lot in religions they they believe in demons and stuff like that they believe these things are demons but their their tactics to deal with them don't get rid of them no unless it has a positive effect on well, the afflicted well sometimes if it's if it serves the the the, uh, the purpose of the parasite it'll go yeah if, if i find if it has a positive effect on the afflicted then it works it, but if it it doesn't have no effect on the, uh, the the entity itself at all, and you, it has to have a positive effect on the afflicted in order for it to work. But normally it doesn't, and if it does work, it wor- it, it only works for a short period of time because people go into yeah. old, old ways of thinking. They revert back to their old ways of thinking, and then com- comes back. And I also find that religion doesn't circumvent it e- either. So um, that that belief in what demons are and, and how to deal with them within the religions doesn't makes sense to me because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work I, I couldn't i really having seen it i really couldn't agree more mm. you know i i really think that uh, you know again it, depending on the circumstances <laughs> yeah i mean it, it can work but, it, but again, it's up to the person yes as a matter of fact the whole possession thing is, is another issue and i don't think that's what it appears to be either but that depends on the person too well there's an idea mm-hmm. in the east that i learned about that i thought was kind of cool that you know you have you have the passions right so like you know um you know the the west refers to it as the seven deadly sins um in the east it's referred to as the passions so things that are like you know they tend to obsess you and take over and and all that that possession really is just losing track of a habit and letting that passion become an obsession right so it's like taking that and that becomes a possession so it just completely circumvents the whole the whole notion of that and that it's uh, that's the, that's one school of thought at least. But I think you know the next step is defining what do you mean by a demon, right? Well, exactly. Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of definitions of that too. Well, we can define mm-hmm. our terms, but we have to use language to do it, and that can even be worse. <laughs> yeah. You know. So um, these are all uh, we have our work cut out for us, as I say. Okay. Well, that's just about all the time we have for that. Let's move on to our announcements. Many. Uh, 2018 is almost over, and our first event of 2019, at least so far, will be in an encore at the Town of Prospect Senior Center in Connecticut on April 23rd. We'll keep oh, it's my wedding anniversary. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, I guess you're not coming. <laughs> nope. <laughs> right. So I won't be there. Shane, why don't you come if you can? Sure. All right. You look good with the glasses, but, uh Okay, so anyway, we'll keep you posted as details. Of, that's not tomorrow anyway, so... Uh, my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeist, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, and God, which the publisher has added, uh, is um, in preparation, and I'm told it probably won't be released before next fall, but we'll keep you posted on that as well. Uh, Shane, what uh, what do you have coming up? Do you have, um, you know, the, the winters were kind of all in hibernation here. Yeah, no, I've got, um, been through all my events and lectures, and um, my, my next thing isn't, that I, as of right now, have scheduled is a, a lecture I'll be given to the Connecticut chapter of uh, MUFON. Excellent. And, nice group. Uh, yeah. So th- that's it. Uh, and, I, it, you know, outside of the people that I'm currently helping with situations. Yeah. What, what, when are you going to be in Connecticut? Um, I think it's April. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, if it's April 23rd, we can go to each other's thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it all works out. So, Ben, uh, what's, what else uh, do you have to say here? Um, so, our 2016 book, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is available on ebook on uh, Amazon Kindle and Apple iTunes, and it's available in stores as well. Um, you can get all of our books in print form also. Uh, you can order them online at either of our two websites, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com, and uh, we'll be happy to autograph those for you. 
And uh, books include the second in our Behind the Paranormal series, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot Mothman and Monsters You Never Heard Of. And a lot of the Mothman discussion uh, is amplified in that that we had today, and you might be interested in that. Uh, that was published uh, last year and currently is available from online retailers and from Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. And at BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find out more about our show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances. You can find over 800 free recorded shows from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio um, and along special shows and podcasts. Uh, also on that site, you'll find a number of charities uh, we have adopted on the show here, uh, including uh, Veterans... Um, uh, charities in the USA and Canada, usacares.org and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Also, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Uh, we know all the people who run these foundations. The money goes where it's supposed to, and please check them out. So, Ben, what have we got for next week? So, next week, uh, here on uh, WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, Nick Redfern will join us for the topic of Paranormal Parasites, Humans as Cattle. Okay. That's about well, all the time we have. all the time we have. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.